I'm Gemini, and we are welcoming back Susan Weed as part of our health and wellness series to discuss various questions and aspects relative to menopause. This information is neither intended nor implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and should not be used in place of your regular health care. Hello, Susan. Welcome back. Green blessings. I'm so glad to be back here with one of my favorite topics. I'm looking forward to it. Let's get started. Sure. Well, you know, since this is a little interactive, I would like to put you a little bit on the spot and ask you what is medical. Um, as I understand it, it is when a woman ceases to menstruate and the hormonal changes occur. And it could happen over a span of many years, starting roughly at about 45, but that varies. That's not a bad answer at all. <laughs> okay. That's a, a pretty good answer. It's wrong, but that's okay. Okay. <laughs> it's not as far wrong as it could have been. Let me put it that Okay. Way. Science says that menopause has officially occurred one year after your last period. Okay. Now, that's a pretty strange definition to me. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's kind of like saying puberty was one year before your first period. Well, that makes sense, yes. <laughs> right. It kind of leaves the individual woman in the lurch, like, did anything really happen to me? So let's let's take um, a view of what's going on hormonally because you mentioned hormones, and hormones are very important here. And I think if we look at what goes on with a woman's body hormonally through her life, it will set the groundwork for us to understand a lot of other things. So let's start with the little girl who's a fetus, and she's in her mama, and that uterine environment is very estrogenic. All fetuses start out as girls. We all have female genitals when we begin. If our cells contain XX, then we can utilize the estrogen in the environment of the uterus and we retain our female genitals. If our cells have XY, then we're not able to utilize that estrogen and our female genitals morph into male genitals. So let's follow along with the little girl. At about between five and six months of gestation, her ovaries are formed and there are follicles in those ovaries. Now, usually we think of follicles like a hair follicle, but it's still kind of the same idea. It is a space, a space where something could be. Follicles can mature into eggs, but they aren't eggs. We've often heard, oh, a baby girl is born with all the eggs she'll ever have. That's another one of those half-truths. A baby girl is born with all the follicles she'll ever have. And you'll see later on why it's important that we understand that they're follicles and not eggs. And by the six months, that baby girl is starting to make estrogen. And not just one kind of estrogen, but 29 different kinds of estrogen. Wow. In fact, every woman starts making 29 kinds of estrogen in utero and continues to make those 29 kinds of estrogen until the day she dies. There's never any point in a woman's life where she is 
lacking estrogen. It's always making plenty of baseline estrogen. Now, these estrogens, these 29 estrogens that were born and die making, to science, are considered soft estrogens. In other words, they don't cause cancer. They're not a problem. At puberty, we begin making another estrogen called estradiol or estradiol. And that estrogen is a very strong estrogen and it can feed cancer. In fact, this hormone, this estrogen, estradiol, is to breast cancer as kerosene is to fire. Now, if I had some kerosene, it wouldn't spontaneously ignite, would it? No. But if I dropped a match in it, right? I would have not just a fire, but a conflagration, eh? Exactly. As a matter of fact, um, 50, 60 years ago, when a woman was diagnosed with breast cancer, one of the first things that was done was that her ovaries were surgically removed. So she couldn't make estradiol. Nowadays, we have a engineered estrogen, which blocks receptor sites so that they can't pick up estradiol. Called tamoxifen. So, this hormone estradiol starts being made at puberty. And we stop making it at menopause. It is the beginning production of estradiol that actually triggers the maturing of the egg, the thickening of the endometrium, which is the lining of the uterus, the egg's movement out of the ovary into the egg tube, and the further thickening of the endometrium, and then either the implantation of that fertilized egg into the rich and ready endometrium, or the dropping of progesterone levels and the shedding of that endometrium in menstruation. And so every month of a woman's life between puberty and menopause, she has an opportunity to have her follicles stimulated by follicle-stimulating hormone, which then causes ovulation, which then causes luteinizing hormone to be produced, which triggers the production of progesterone. And all of this happens because the ovaries create estradiol for 24 to 48 hours. So this hormone estradiol is a big deal. It triggers puberty and the cessation of it is what menopause is truly about. Now, if we recall, if we can think back to puberty, we remember that this didn't happen like turning on the light switch or even like a real smooth thing. For most women, coming into puberty, coming into your menstrual life, producing estradiol is a bump and a jolt and a roller coaster and bumper cars all mixed up together. <laughs> yes, that's a good explanation. And so it is in menopause. Though the production of estradiol 
increases every menstrual month until about the age of 25. And at the age of 25, or thereabouts, all women start to make a little less estradiol every month, or for some women, a lot less. And this is why once you're past the age of 25, it gets a little harder to become pregnant. And the older you get, mm, the harder it might be to become pregnant because of the lessening of estradiol. Now, for some women, this drop-off in production of estradiol happens pretty rapidly. And by the time they're in their late 30s, they're getting hot flashes and sleeplessness. For other women, it's a much longer, slower progression. And they're looking at me and they said, they're saying, I'm 52 and I'm still having regular periods. Is this okay? But every woman actually begins menopause in her mid-20s. Now, when I was in my 30s, nobody was talking about menopause and nobody was talking about hot flashes, but I remember having them. Not very many, not very often. Maybe once in six to eight months. And I would just say, oh, you know, good goodness, it felt hot in here. But then when I actually had hot flashes, I could look back and say, ah, oh, yes, that's what it is. So menopause is that movement that is recognizable to us, as you so correctly said, over a period of years as estradiol finally stops being produced. And thus the whole cycle of menstruation stops as well. This doesn't cause changes in the body. It is caused by changes in the body. You know, change is a word that's often used to describe menopause. What is menopause? The change used to be one of the euphemisms for it. But when I think about change, I think, you know, change is really easy. Oh, I spilled something on my shirt. I'll go change it. Oh, these shoes hurt. I'll go change them. How difficult is that? Like, easy. And so I asked myself, well, what's harder than change? And I thought, well, transformation is harder than change. Transformation is definitely a lot harder than change. If I want to transform myself, I had to, like, get a totally different hairdo. Or um, get a tattoo or piercing. That would be a transformation. That would be, you know, a, a big change. You know, but, gosh, menopause is even more than that. And I asked myself, is there yet another word that's even more of what we're talking about here? And, of course, that word is metamorphosis. Meta-large and morph-form. Metamorphosis, the largest possible form change. Now, when I say metamorphosis, does something come to your mind? I think of a butterfly, actually. <laughs> And a cocoon. Yes. And I want you to think of a butterfly. That is what we think about because we can all remember that caterpillars metamorphosize into butterflies. So let's think about what that's like, you know. Here's a caterpillar, and the caterpillar is munching and munching. If you have a garden, you know the caterpillars do nothing but munch. Right. <laughs> and one day our caterpillar wakes up and says, oh, 
not only took I feel like munching, but the rest of you munching is driving me crazy. <laughs> and the caterpillar, instead of saying, you all have to stop munching, says, I'm going to go somewhere and see what happens. Now, I'm told by people who are experts in this that one of the things they have ascertained is that the caterpillar does not go willingly into the cocoon of the chrysalis. That it struggles and it kind of fights. But that the, the metamorphosis itself forces it to do this. And so it is with women at menopause. I often call menopause a second puberty. And I ask women, how did you treat yourself at puberty? What kind of herbs did you use? How did you deal with being in puberty? And most women look at me and say, I didn't do anything. I didn't take any herbs. I say, yes. For most of us, the way we got through puberty was we yelled at our parents. We went in our room. We slammed the door. <laughs> we talked to our friends for hours. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It works for menopause, too. Only this time you get to yell at your children. <laughs> One of my favorite New Yorker cartoons shows a obviously teenage girl and a probably menopausal mom. And the menopausal mom is saying, in this household, my hormones rule. <laughs> and the poor men in the lives of these women and young women. Well, you know, down in Virginia, they introduced me to a really lovely concept. When a woman is feeling those menopausal stirrings, her husband goes out back and he builds a pouting house. And last time I was down there, I asked, you're still doing pouting houses? And they said, now we call them man caves. (laughs) I've heard of man caves, yes. Right? And they got this big screen TV and the beer cooler. And they're, you know, hey, it's not poor man. They're like, and let me know when you want me back. (laughs) Works for them, yes. (laughs) Yeah, hey, they're chilling. They got it. (laughs) <laughs> so I think probably a lot of marriages would be saved at the man cave or the, the fountain house was established, you know, and she could say, all clear, dear, you could go back. <laughs> right. Because the caterpillar does not do it in the road. The caterpillar does not form a cocoon while it's cooking dinner for others. This is intensely private time. This is a time when... All of the wonderful things that we do and love doing as women, cooking and tidying and taking care of and soothing and healing and helping, and all of that has got to stop. Just like it did at puberty. At puberty, we were totally, how many times are the adults in your life saying, you're so selfish, you're so self-focused. Right. These are the times in our life when we have to be selfish and self-focused. Trusting that if we do that, we will emerge from it. Just like the caterpillar is going to emerge from the cocoon as a butterfly and spread joy. But the caterpillar doesn't become a butterfly by growing wings, does it? The caterpillar becomes a butterfly 
by melting down into green goo. So this is what we're going to be talking about this evening. We're going to be talking about what I call these three phases of menopause, which is time out. Right. The Crohn's year away, sabbatical, right? leave me alone, and the kinds of physical changes that can occur as well during that time. And then the meltdown. Green goo. You know, the caterpillar melts down into green goo. This is hard. We think we've got it figured out. We think we've got our lives figured out, and suddenly we're green goo. Oh, my gosh. And, of course, hot flashes and sleeplessness, variety of other things that happen during meltdown phase of menopause. And then, as promised, emergence. Coming out of that cocoon, being a butterfly. Then we want to know how to have strong bones and how to have healthy hearts and how to be juicily sexual. You know, there's such good news for girls that I always have to preface it with the good news for boys, which is that pizza helps prevent prostate cancer. And if you really want it to be effective, then you add extra garlic and anchovies. And while you're enjoying that, boys, girls, the good news for you is your clitoris never ages. From the time it matures at puberty until you die, you still have the same or greater orgasmic capacity. And you see why we have to tell the boys about pizza, because it's not true for them. It is true for us. And we're going to be talking tonight about how to make that true, especially if you're sitting there going, oh, I don't know who she's talking about, but it's sure not true for me. There are some pretty easy things that you can do to make that true for you. Let me tell you a story from many years ago in my life. This is over a quarter century ago. And I was on a television show. And um, we were talking about menopause. It was a panel discussion on menopause. And there was a, an older white male gynecologist there who truly believed that hormones were the only way to stay healthy during and after menopause. And that anyone who didn't take hormones was just, you know, ill-informed. And rather than, than argue at me, he glared at me and grew more and more silent throughout the show because, of course, I did not then and still don't think that taking hormones, even bioidentical hormones, supposed bioidentical hormones, let me say, is the way to go during or after menopause. And finally, the show is over. The lights were off. The microphones were off. The cameras were off. And he turns to me and he says, you are going to ruin the lives of millions of women with this nonsense about menopause being healthy and this idiocy about, about the power and the strength in menopause. He says, so rather than, than say anything to you, I've been sitting here trying to think of a way to remove all of the power from menopause. I don't want any woman to think of menopause as anything other than than the end of her life as a woman and that she needs hormones to keep her being a female. Oh, my. I looked at him, you know, my jaw dropping. I didn't know what to say to this man. And he said, I've spent this time making up a word. And I'm going to publish this word in a peer-reviewed journal. And I'm going to make this the word that is used instead of menopause, and no one will be able to find any power in it. 
Do you have any guess what that word was, is? It is uh, currently used. I have no idea. I'm sitting here thinking that well, I don't well, let know. Me ask, let me ask you this. Were you ever in peri-puberty? Uh, oh, sure, yeah. You were in peri-puberty? No, you weren't. Well, I don't know. Maybe I wasn't. <laughs> you weren't. Nor, I was thinking the time there, period before. Nor is there such a thing as peri-menopause. That okay. was the word he made up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So because there is no such per- thing then. There's no such thing. Peri means around, nearby. Okay. To. Okay. Which, again, you see the whole movement of science and scientific medicine is to remove you from what your body's doing. To right. view your body with distrust and distaste and to say, it's not right. Menopause isn't right. You have to take these hormones to make yourself right. Not quite 25 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, another panel, smaller, not televised. I'm sitting on a very small platform with two men on my right. The, I guess it's obligatory elder white male gynecologist. Very conservative suit, conservative tie. He is asked by the audience if any of the women in his practice are using hormone replacement. And he says, they all are except for one. And I told her if she doesn't start taking it this month, she should go find another doctor. I don't want to deal with old hags. Oh, my gosh. The woman who introduced the panel discussion said, oh, hi. (laughs) I just turned 50 this month, and I'm not staying for tonight's discussion because I'm never going to go through menopause. I started taking hormones, and that's what you should do, too. Bye. Wow. On my left, the middle-aged naturopathic doctor in a navy blue suit and a rather loud tie. And uh, he says, and no woman in my practice uses hormone replacement. I have them all on progesterone cream. And I'm sitting in the middle in my red dress saying, trust your body. Listen to your body. This is not just natural. This is not just normal. This is the healthiest thing that could possibly happen to you. Remember that I said estradiol is to breast cancer as kerosene is to fire. Now, the statistic is very, but on an average, if you're a white woman in the United States today and you're 20 years old, your risk of getting breast cancer is 1 out of 20,000. But if you're 40 years old, your risk is 1 out of 400. And if you're 50 years old, your risk is 1 out of 50. And if you're 60 years old, your risk is 1 out of 25. What would a smart, healthy body do sometime between the ages of 40 and 60? Stop producing estradiol, yeah? Right. Because your risk of breast cancer goes up with age. Menopause is what allows women to live for a long time. It is a healthy change in our body. The removal of this hormone is a healthy choice by our body. There's a woman at the University of Utah 
whose name is eluding me, Kristen something, Kristen Hawks. And she puts forth the grandmother hypothesis. She called, she's a cultural anthropologist. She spent her life studying hunting, gathering societies. And she realized late in her career that she was overlooking something, and that was the grandmothers. And as she went back through her data and gathered new data, she began to see that it was the postmenopausal women who really kept the community together, who actually provided more food calories than any other age group of people, and that the health and longevity of any child was more closely aligned to the health and longevity of its grandmother than its parents. In fact, Dr. Kristen Hawk said that menopause is probably more important than a big brain or an upright posture. And yet both the man on my right, the scientific doctor, and the man on my left, the alternative medicine doctor, would have you believe there's something wrong with menopause. Susan, do you find that that's part of our culture? treated for it. Do I find it part of our culture? I find it part of any culture where men have dominance. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was curious about. Is it, it seems to me like what the literature that's put out there, and it's like something to be endured and dreaded versus the way that you're explaining it, which is very refreshing. Leslie Kenton's book about menopause is entitled Passage to Power. Mm. This is what they are trying to hide from us about menopause, is that it is a passage to power. Once you are a butterfly, once you have emerged from that cocoon, you don't have to worry about getting squashed. You're not a caterpillar anymore. And you know what? That scares men. Mm. Imagine if you were a man who lived 500 or 1,000 years ago and you could see into the future and you saw that there would be more postmenopausal women on the planet than any other kind of person. <laughs> you would think the world was ending. <laughs> you sure would. Well, that's what's happening. Interesting. Every minute, every minute a woman turns 50. And postmenopausal women don't get pushed around. No, they don't. So, in a very real sense, that world of male dominance is ending. And the world of postmenopausal women, of matrifocal, is on its way in. And each one of us gets to experience this through our own menopause. This is why we want to understand the time out, the meltdown, and the emergence. And before we end this kind of overview about what is menopause, let me also suggest that if you're not yet in menopause, a really wonderful way to get ready for that is to start a butterfly collection. And a butterfly is any woman at least... 15 years older than you and postmenopausal that you would like to grow up to be. I have some butterflies on my bathroom wall. One is a woman who's 91 years old and she's just celebrated her birthday by doing something she always wanted to do, which was jump out of an airplane with a parachute. 
fun. That's a woman I want to grow up to be. Right. Another one is a woman lifting weights who has just won the World Women's Weightlifting Championship at the age of 87. That's a woman I want to grow up to be. And by having those butterflies, it helped me to give up what I knew, which was being a caterpillar. Dr. Susan Love, who has a book about breast health and a book about menopause, says that the years of our menopausal transition are the time that we get to see to it how we are going to create our life for the rest of our life and that those are some of the most critically important years in terms of the choices we make. So, leaving you with that idea, I wish you green blessings for this show, and I will come back and talk to you about the three parts of menopause. Next up, time out. Thank you, Susan. That was a refreshing perspective, and I'm looking forward uh, to hearing uh, the next segment. Thank you, Susan, for taking us on a journey through your connection to the earth and her green allies. Our next segment will follow up and continue with menopause and wise woman health, including discussions of PMS, flooding, and mood swings. <laughs> 